This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. He who would sacrifice liberty for security deserves neither liberty nor security. Benjamin Franklin said that. Benjamin Franklin was right. I'm going to tell you why. Our founding fathers knew it. You know, we don't have patriots anymore in uh, the political class. We have egomaniacs. We have self-serving individuals. We have self-centered individuals. We have career politicians. We don't have patriots and we don't have statesmen. Where have they gone? Before we get into that, I want to talk about a couple other things that happened recently that just continue to chap my rear end, if you will. You know, I pride myself on being able to stay under control. Many of you watch me on TV, you've seen it, and you comment about my calmness. I believe in staying under control because you can think better that way. You can think not only more clearly, but more definitively. You make better decisions when you're under control. But there are times, I'll tell you, when I'm looking through the news and I see some of this stuff come up and you are to be in my house. You talk about being a fly on the wall. (laughs) What was that movie? Uh, Gettysburg, that scene where uh, one of the lieutenants was walking with the general and he was talking about some Navy guy, some sailor, and he said he he uses cuss words that haven't even been invented yet. That's what you'd hear privately, privately, always privately. Do you know there's a culture war going on in the United States? This whole thing, this this leftist movement to wipe out any semblance of an American culture and American identity by the left. And they're feeling it now. It is full throttle because they know time is running short. Barack Obama, they finally got their guy in there. And they weren't going to waste this opportunity. There's never been an American president like this. Most of Even your progressive presidents realized, you know, there's another part of the country here that I have to take into consideration, not Barack Obama. The never let a crisis go to waste. He forgets that there's the other America, the people who don't agree with him. He pays them no attention whatsoever. None. Dismisses you dismisses us. He does not care. I mean, even Bill Clinton acquiesced on welfare reform. Bill Clinton was not for welfare reform, the sweeping reform that was passed by the Congress. He wasn't, but he knew. It was inevitable at the time. He could have vetoed it. I don't know if they had the uh, two-thirds majority to override his veto. He could have, 
Barack Obama just continues to threaten to veto everything. If they send that up here, I'm going to veto it. I'm going to let them know right now. And you know what? The Republicans don't move on it. Well, and and what's their response? No, he said he's going to veto it. Let him veto it. It's my attitude. Then we'll club him over the head with it, metaphorically, before the American public. Let him shut down the government. Then we'll club him over the head with it before the American people. So, you know, this culture war that we're in, we're, we're losing miserably. I mean, we're, we're getting wiped out. If this were a prize fight, the referee would step in and declare us out. He'd stop the 10 count and just wave his hand. You know that signal? They, just, they stop the 10 count. They say, hey, this, this guy's in trouble laying on the mat here. And he waves the fight off and waves the people in to come render aid to this guy. That's what this is like. We're we're having the floor wiped with us. And I think we're sleepwalking through it. There's no fight. You've heard me say that. I'm going to continue to say, what will we fight for? Somebody, please, on the Republican side, tell me what you're willing to fight for. What are we willing to fight for? Now, as conservatives, we're a little different. We don't have enough of us in the Congress to be able to make a difference. So I come across a couple stories this week. Here's the first one. Ten commandments removed from the Oklahoma Capitol. Workers placed the Ten Commandments monument in its new home at the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs just down the street from the state capitol in Oklahoma City. In the early morning hours of October 6, 2015. This is from the USA Today, by the way. The Ten Commandments displayed on a granite monument have been superseded by another commandment. Thou shalt not have a display on state property that supports any sect, church, domination, or system of religion. And so the monument, which has sparked controversy since its installation in 2012, on the Capitol grounds in Oklahoma City, was taken away early Tuesday morning and transported. And in we early morning hours. Why? The Oklahoma Highway Patrol said they wanted to keep protesters from demonstrating while heavy equipment was being used. They were willing to step in and deny our right to protest with their timing of the movement. It's unbelievable. Why is this controversial? Why are the Ten Commandments controversial? Why isn't gay marriage controversial? Why isn't killing babies and selling their body parts to the highest bidder, why isn't that controversial? Why is that called and considered reproductive health care, women's health care, women's choice? But the Ten Commandments is controversial. Now, I remember a little of this fight before these, this, this monument was moved here. And at first, the uh, Oklahoma governor and attorney general, one of the two, said, we're not enforcing that state Supreme Court decision. Well, it's like every other time we're up against the wall. We bitch, and then we acquiesce. 
We put up a stink for a little while, and then when push comes to shove, we just go ahead and do it. Oklahoma has a Republican governor, Mary Fallon, and a Republican attorney general. And this is what we get. We're ruled by the courts, remember? This is a state Supreme Court decision. We're ruled by the courts. Let the courts push us around when they're wrong. The Attorney General says in this article, and Scott Pruitt, by the way, a Republican, told the paper that the Oklahoma Supreme Court was wrong in its ruling. And he supports an effort to have voters change the provision of the state constitution used to order the monument's removal. That's not going to make any difference. They change the Constitution. You know what? The court will just say that change in the Constitution is unconstitutional. They did it in Wisconsin. They did that in the state of Wisconsin where I'm from. So I know exactly what I'm talking about. And when we come back, I'll go through that, and I'll give, give you another example of how we're losing the culture war. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. Think about where you can actually draw these lines. Now, I know this from people who jump in and they'd say, hold on a second. Well, what about people who are involuntary committed? Right, that's already a law. What about people who are you know, convicted of domestic abuse? I mean, there are laws about these things already. And perhaps those are the sort of very basic, you want to call them common sense gun control laws. Those seem to already be in place. Buck Sexton, weekdays, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So I left off talking about this culture war that we're losing miserably in we're talking about the removal of the Ten Commandments from the uh, state capital in Oklahoma. And, you know, I said in Wisconsin, you know, we had a, a, you know, a referendum several years ago that codified marriages between one man and one woman, and we entered it into the Wisconsin state constitution. So we used the process. It went to a referendum, and it passed, I mean, overwhelmingly. Okay, it wasn't even close. And so we codified it in the state constitution, and here some court comes along when we the people who get to amend the constitution, getting, letting the entire state get involved, this wasn't a handful of people in the legislature, the voters got to decide what the definition of mar- marriage is and was until a court came along and struck down all of these state decisions on the definition of marriage. That's why I said it isn't going to matter that Oklahoma is going to go back and, and um, enter this into the state constitution that they can post these on uh, state grounds. Do you know what sits on the wall above the United States Supreme Court, right behind the nine justices. And I've been inside that building. The Ten Commandments. 
on the wall. Above the heads of the United States Supreme Court justices, the Ten Commandments inside the Supreme Court building, a government building. Now, the only one who can order that be taken down are the Supreme Court justices themselves. That's not likely to happen until, and that's the key word, until they shift the balance of that court. And right now, it's about 5-4 conservatives with a swing vote, right? Kennedy, who can go either way. But trust me, if the liberals ever get enough justices on that Supreme Court, those Ten Commandments are coming down. This is simply amazing. And here's the other story I came across, part of the culture war again. This is from TheBlaze.com. High school cancels America Day so no one gets offended. Every year, Jackson Hole High School has celebrated America Day around the homecoming time and has become quite a spectacle. The tradition includes students wrapping American flags around their shoulders, wearing American flag attire, and driving a diesel truck around the parking lot with the stars and stripes waving in the wind. But this year turned out to be different for the students at Jackson Hole High School in Wyoming. Activities director Mike Hansen canceled America Day to ensure that no students were offended by the display of American pride. No, this isn't from The Onion. This is a true story. Quote, many different students could have felt singled out. Maybe they moved here last week. Maybe they moved here last month, he told the Jackson Hole News and Guy. We're trying to balance many different things here. Is the gay movement trying to balance many different things? Do they care whether anybody's offended by their abolishment of the time-tested long tradition of the definition of marriage between one man and one woman? Is this illegal immigration group and, and, and its supporters, are they worried about anybody being offended? Back to the story here. We're trying to be inclusive and safe, make everyone feel welcome. Well, isn't that special? Everyone has to feel welcome, except the kids who wanted to celebrate America Day. They didn't matter. So this is BS that we want to make everyone feel welcome. Back to the story here. In keeping with the American spirit, several high school students got extremely creative and defiant on homecoming week. It goes on to say that the Jackson Hole News and Guide also reported that many students still don their red, white, and blue on Wednesday. These are kids, high school kids. Stood up. Fought, defied. These are high school kids. We can't get adults in Washington, at least in the Republican caucus. We can't get them to stand up and fight. We can't get them to be defiant. We ought to take lessons from these Jackson Hole High School students. Here's another quote from this activities director. No, this is from the, 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 the principal. 
I'm charged with looking at a school with 600 kids, and I have to ensure that all those kids feel part of the student body. What about the kids that wanted to celebrate America Day? If you're interested in making sure that everyone is included, included, their ideas matter. So back to his quote, regardless of the name of the day, we want to ensure that the activities of the week bring our students together holistically as a student body. My God, please help me. Is this really what we've become? This is in Wyoming. This isn't Southern California. We want to make sure everybody, except the American kids, the hell with them, they don't matter. I sit up here and watch Hispanic activities, Cinco de Mayo, Mexican Independence Day, where they have these rallies, hundreds and sometimes thousands in California with Mexican flags wrapped around their shoulders. Talking Viva La Mexico. What about us? Are they worried about our feelings here in the United States of America? They don't care about us. That whole movement. They're pushing us around. And and we have people who are co-conspirators in it. The Jackson Hole High School principal. Scott Crisp and the activities director worried more about foreigners. You know what my attitude is and what my message would have been? Get used to it. You're in America. We're going to make you participate in this. You can sit down and keep your mouth shut. This is America. This is America Day. It's a tradition at this high school. And we don't care if you're offended. Get over it. But no. We want to make sure that this is a safe and welcoming environment. This is America. Many different students could have felt singled out. We're trying to be inclusive and safe, make everyone feel welcome. Except American kids. The hell with American kids. You can have gay pride. You can have Hispanic pride. You can have all kind of pride except American pride. In the United States of America. Now you know why I was as incensed as I was, I described in the beginning of this program when I first read this. We're losing the culture war. It's almost over. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. 
if these two things happen and neither of them are particularly likely at this moment. But if Joe Biden gets in and wins, and then in addition, we get a run from Bobby Jindal, and then you have a debate stage in which the guy who said, hey, all these Indians are everywhere. What's going on? You can remember, can you think of the lines Jindal will come up with as the 7-Eleven candidate? Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Okay, we're going to shift gears here and talk about something I started the program off with, a quote from Benjamin Franklin. He who would sacrifice liberty for security deserves neither liberty nor security. And why did I use that quote? That's a quote I used to start my thesis. Some of you may know I hold a master's degree in security studies from the Naval Postgraduate School, which is the graduate school of the United States Naval Academy. It's out in Monterey, California. You might be saying, well, wait, I thought it was in Annapolis. Yeah, they have two campuses, and in the mid-1950s, they moved out there because they didn't have any room to expand in Annapolis. That was a whole political battle. Uh, it's depicted on one of the walls. You walk around the campus, beautiful grounds. But anyway, I studied Homeland Security and wrote a thesis. And the thesis is entitled, Making U.S. Security and Privacy Rights compatible because they are compatible it's not an either or why am i talking about this well the 9-11 commission put together after the horrific attacks on our country there was this need to do something we have to do something to which i always say no we don't need to do something we need to do something meaningful I always get a kick out of it when people say, oh, we got to do something. Oh, hey, this we, we got to do something. You're going to hear me talk about gun control later, and it's going to be the same thing. Oh, we need to do something about these men. Oh, we need to do something. No, we need to do something meaningful. So anyway, the government was granted broad and sweeping surveillance authority without a whole lot of oversight, very slippery slope, very dangerous. By the way, this is one of the few things, it's a man-by-dog moment, that I agree with Rand Paul on. Rand Paul did not believe in this sweeping surveillance authority without proper oversight. The Patriot Act passed pretty unanimously, I think the only one in the Senate, 100 senators. Only one senator voted against the Patriot Act. Russ Feingold of Wisconsin. He is an uber lefty. The only one. So let's fast forward. This was supposed to improve the government's ability to keep us safe, right? We want to be safe, so we're willing to give up some of our rights, to which Ben Franklin says, he who would sacrifice liberty for security deserves neither liberty nor nor security. And he's right. That was an overreaction. The Patriot Act was an overreaction. The TSA was an overreaction. 
to what happened on 9-11. And I say overreaction because it didn't help. Need I remind you of the terror attacks that have happened post 9-11? We spent $60 billion a year in intelligence, national security and intelligence operations here in the United States. Nobody knows where it goes because the budget is secret, because everything's classified in the intelligence world. So anyway, you know, I, I talked about this, read about it extensively in my thesis. My point is, I have a little bit of knowledge. I'm not an expert. I don't need to be an expert. But I studied enough, read enough, to know that this is a slippery slope. And it's out of balance. And my, you notice my the title? Making security and privacy rights compatible. We're looking for balance here. We don't have balance. Then you heard about the metadata. Right, The government sweeping up all of our metadata, phone calls, texts, emails, electronic communications with no warrant and no reason, just doing it. Well, we might need it later on. And remember, Eric Snowden broke this. And when we found out, we were appalled, and we should have been. Now, as you know, metadata is just the information about the transmission, right? The date and time of the phone call, the date and time of the text, maybe where it came through in terms of the channeling through the uh, cell phone towers. They don't look at the content, but they're storing it. They were keeping it and storing it. Saving it. For what? I said at the time, this is very dangerous. I don't trust this government with my metadata. I don't trust them. It's self-monitoring for oversight. Even one of the judges who's with the FISA court, and that's the Federal Intelligence Surveillance Court, he says, this is Judge Reggie Walton, Chief Judge, acknowledge that the court lacks the tools to independently verify how often government surveillance breaks court rules that aim to protect Privacy. They have to rely on the honor system, meaning the court, because they do not have the capacity to investigate noncompliance with orders. And then we found out, first of all, James Clapper lied. And he said, no, we're not collecting metadata. We're not collecting people's metadata. And they were. He should have been charged with perjury. He was with the uh, National Security Agency. So why am I getting into this? Because there was an article that received very little attention. Very little. And I was shocked. Secret Service broke the law to embarrass Representative Chaffetz. The Secret Service violated federal privacy laws by improperly accessing House of Representatives member Jason Chaffetz's 2003 job application to the Secret Service the Department of Homeland Security Inspector General found. According to the investigation, more than 40 Secret Service employees accessed the files more than 60 times, even though they had no official need to query Chaffetz. Wednesday, the Secret Service apologized publicly to Chaffetz, a Republican from Utah, who also happens to be a critic of the agency, for this, quote, wholly avoidable and embarrassing misconduct and promised that those responsible would be held accountable. 
Chaffetz called the violation a tactic designed to intimidate and embarrass me. It's scary to think about all of the possible dangers in having your personal information exposed, Chaffetz explained. The work of the committee will continue. I remain undeterred in conducting proper and rigorous oversight. Chavis had previously investigated allegations of Secret Service misconduct as chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. In an an interview, Chavis said, It's a bit scary. If they could do this to me, I just, I shudder to think what they might be doing to other people. I'd like to tell you how tough I am, but it's scary and it's intimidating, and I will continue to investigate the Secret Service, but this should never have happened. The Inspector General found Wednesday the Secret Service violated the Privacy Act of 1974. And all Jay Johnson, the the head of the uh, Department of Homeland Security, could do is say, oh, we're sorry. This is what I was screaming about during the Patriot Act. And and finally, we moved beyond that, and it's USA Freedom Act. And the courts have ruled that that is a broad overreach, and they can't collect metadata. Yet people are saying, oh, we're going to be in danger. Oh, you know, people who are against this don't don't care about the security of the United States. No, I care about my privacy. And as Ben Franklin said, I'm not willing to sacrifice my privacy for a little security. That's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. Many of you are probably in support of it, too. Oh, we have to do this. We have to keep America safe. First of all, this is not the way to keep America safe. But here's the thing. And it will always be with me. I don't trust this government with that information because of the potential for abuse. And this right here is Exhibit A. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. America WK with your host, Andrew WK. It's hard enough just to run your own life than to run everyone's life. And I don't think we should look to these leaders or a stereotypical leader to lead our lives. Ideally, they should protect the conditions which allow us to live freely. America WK, Saturdays, 10 a.m. to noon on the Blaze Radio Network. Sheriff. One quick self-correction here. I said that James Clapper was uh, with the NSA, National Security Agency. He is the Director of National Intelligence, DNI. And I won't bother what the, the difference is. It's too convoluted, our intelligence services. Margaret Thatcher said, any battle worth winning may have to be fought more than once. Boy, is that profound. Where are we right now in the United States of America? Back to this argument about gun control. Horrific incident, Oregon, community college. Some idiot walks in and lines people up and mows them down. And the left trots out their political agenda. Let's exploit their misery and their suffering for political gain. Like they always do, including the President of the United States, Barack Obama. It's shameful, but the left is shameful. They're shameless, really. They, they, they don't care. They, they know no shame. Their ethical and moral elevator has no bottom floor. So we shouldn't be surprised. But here we are again, and I'm ready to fight. I do not tire of this fight. 
on the right to keep and bear arms. I love this fight. It's worth fighting for. Founding fathers fought for it. We went to a revolution over it. In part, we had a civil war over it. In part, I'll get to that. But here we are again. A couple of things need to be pointed out when you're when you're battling the left on this this gun control. First of all, they do not believe in gun control. Their true objective is gun confiscation, and they know that it is a stair step process. It's how they got to many of the things that we are now suffering from today in this leftist agenda. Stair step. Don't forget Obamacare or universal health care. It wasn't just introduced uh, several years ago. The Clinton administration started that, and it started before that. So they know that you chip away, you wear people down, and eventually people will tire of the fight. Remember what I said earlier on? We, we complain and then we acquiesce. And the left knows that. We'll just wear them down a step at a time. Keep this in mind. One step taken a thousand times can carry you great distances. They do this one step at a time. What are they hung up on now? And what have they been hung up on? Universal background checks. First of all, there's nothing universal about this concept. And then they redefine words and phrases. They lie. They manipulate statistics to try to fool people. They don't try to convince you. They try to fool you. Gun show loophole. There is no gun show loophole. Every federal federal firearms licensee, an FFL, who engages in transfers of firearms at gun shows has to do a background check. Now, it is true that a private uh, sale can go on. In other words, I could go to a gun show and, and get a space there and, and, and sell a couple guns that I have, and I'm not required to get a background check. First of all, it's a private transaction. Secondly, there's so few of those instances to make a difference. None of the mass murder, none of the crime that we were, we're talking about, the ghetto crime, none of that, though those weapons have been obtained through some loophole. Adam Lanza, Sandy Hook, he didn't need a background check. He killed his mom and stole her guns. Universal background check wouldn't have stopped Adam Lanza from killing what, 26 kids. In an elementary school. The guy who shot up the Colorado Theater. He passed a background check to to obtain his weapons. The guy who shot up the Sick Temple here in Milwaukee County, where I'm from, he went into a church during church service and just started indiscriminately shooting, and, and, and I think he killed like six or seven people and injured many more. He passed a background check. So you can see what's at play here. There's stealth in what they're trying to do. This has nothing to do with universal background checks, and we have to resist this. And if I find out that anybody on Capitol Hill who claims to be a Republican or a conservative is going along with Nancy Pelosi's suggestion for a summit on gun violence or some hearing on violence, gun violence, I will excoriate them with the platforms that I have. It's a Trojan horse. 
Remember, they're not about gun control and common sense legislation. They like to use that every time they open their mouth. They are very disciplined. Nobody talks about gun control on the left without using those buzzwords. Common sense legislation. It is stupid legislation. And as George Will said, what this comes down to with universal background checks is how much money, how many millions we want to spend on creating a new bureaucracy that will accomplish nothing. Because it's not about reducing crime. It is not about reducing violence. It is not about preventing mass murder, which you can't anyway. Because of the human condition. And people are always going to find a way out of any law you create anyway. We are not a technical fix away from reducing and eliminating crime and violence in America. We're not a technical fix away from eliminating mass murders. It's the imperfection of man. Ever since Cain killed his brother Abel in the book of Genesis, we've been trying to solve the mystery of man's inhumanity to man. It had nothing to do with the gun back in the days of the Bible. So when I sit up here, and you know what, I got a, a, a special, a little significant to me personal reason why I am so, such a guardian of the Second Amendment. I'm tired of the Second Amendment being treated as the bastard child of the Bill of Rights. The Second Amendment makes all the other rights possible. So that the government doesn't trample our rights through government tyranny. But here's another thing. Most people probably forget about. As a black man, when the Constitution of the United States was drawn up and the, and the, the Bill of Rights was passed and ratified, it didn't apply to black people. You would be in violation of law of the law to arm a black man. So abolitionists, after the Civil War, Frederick Douglass fought so that the newly freed slaves could arm themselves. It was still against the law at the time. Even after the 13th Amendment, you couldn't arm a black man. And a black man couldn't be in possession of a firearm. So they fought so that the newly freed slaves could defend themselves against lynchings and mob attacks. And finally, the 14th Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, the original meaning of the 14th Amendment was that it forced the southern states to apply the Constitution to newly freed slaves. We could now possess firearms, keep and bear arms, so that we could protect ourselves and our families. My ancestors fought and died for that right. It was the only right that was really keeping us alive after the Civil War. So if you think for one second that I'm going to cede that right back to the federal government or any government, you must be crazy. There's no way I'm doing that. And it's your right. These are individual rights. These aren't group rights. These are individual rights. Not to mention that I took an oath and said that I would support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I intend on doing that. Thanks for joining me today. You can follow me 
on Twitter at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and also at the peoplesheriff.com. God bless you and good Lord willing. Talk to you next Saturday. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio.